forum for frank talk about what people do for a living. Works do. Welcome to Work Stew. It's December 17th, 2014, and this is episode number 91. I'm Kate Gase Walton. I'm the editor of Work Stew, an online collection of essays and interviews in which people ponder their work lives. In this episode, I speak with Bethany Allen about work in the broadest sense the work of being a parent, of being an employee, of being an artist, and of being a citizen. speaking this evening to Bethany Allen. And Bethany, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Thanks for having me. Now, let me start by saying that we overlapped at college. Uh, we were both at Harvard uh, quite a few years ago. But the way that I uh, know at least a little bit about you is through your Facebook posts. And there you have written um, very eloquently, often very movingly, about a range of topics, sometimes parenting, sometimes work, sometimes the issues of the day. And all of that has um, just made it clear to me that, you know, here's someone thinking really hard about, you know, how to live this life. And so with probably the biggest kind of broadest opening question (laughs) I've ever started an interview (laughs) with, that's kind of what I think I want to start with, which is, um, you know, how are you grappling with that question at this point in your life? And what are some of the things that are going through your mind? What are some of the considerations as you wake up each day and think, okay, the work of, of today is to live this day? What do you find yourself thinking about? Uh, so um, I've always written about my family. It's always been sort of the most interesting thing for me to to think about and, and, and share my thoughts about. Um, and one of the things that I have always tried to do uh, as a writer is to speak to the things about being a parent and being a human that are universal. And um, part of what is important about that for me is as a black woman and the mother of black children to sort of connect the lives um, that, we le- that we lead to the lives of people across varying, um, you know, backgrounds. Um, so in, in, in a way to make us more human. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, I've always written about that. I've always uh, written about the challenges that I experienced as a single mom. Uh, I went to, uh, as you say, we went to, to college around the same time, and um, I did so with um, children. I, I never was a college student without being a single mom at the same time. And um, and I wrote a lot about that. And some of it was me sort of working out my own issues with that and my own sort of disappointment in myself for um, sort of being uh, an unwed mother uh, in a place where it didn't seem like I fit in. It didn't seem like I belonged there. Um, and, and now, more lately these days, I'm writing a lot about the various aspects of my life now. I'm sort of in, in midlife with adult children and looking back at um, some of the choices I made over the years um, and also just some of the challenges that come with this time in my life and, and how parenting changes. 
uh, as your kids get older and as your kids become adults, what it means uh, to that relationship. So those are the things that I think about and those are the things that I tend to write about. And one thing I I didn't even ask you before we got started, but I'll ask now. Do you happen to have that um, one post about parenting now uh, in middle age versus when you were younger? Do you happen to have that around? And would you be willing to read read it at all? Or or should we just talk about it? Sure. I I do have it. Um, I pulled it up here. And uh, um, one thing I should say is that there are a couple little things that I changed in it just to make things more clear, I think. Sure. So, anyway, here it goes. I'm often humbled by people's positive assessments of my parenting. But to be honest, I worry about modeling bad behavior for my now adult children. This is especially true with regard to my youngest daughter, the only one of the three who still lives at home. When my kids were growing up, I was the co-chair of the parent council at their public elementary school, moderating meetings and speaking in front of the citywide school committee on the impact of a plan to close and consolidate several schools in the district, working for mission and community-based organizations, volunteering, writing a column for an online magazine, working out five times a week, and going to Harvard part-time. In short, I was walking the walk. My goal was, as James Baldwin once wrote, to get my work done, and my work was to change the world. Fast forward to the current version of me, working in corporate America in jobs I didn't love, doing work I don't believe in, but still living paycheck to paycheck for most of the past decade, talking a lot about my creative projects but not producing much of anything, and lazing around the house binge-watching Netflix on the occasion that I do have some downtime. I give myself a pass most days. All of that work over the last 25 years of raising kids has exhausted me. I'll get back on track, I assure myself. Besides, my kids seem to have turned out fine with strong work ethics. My youngest, the one I worry about, she's currently working two jobs, was recently promoted at one of them, and self-financed a trip to Paris. Still, I'm not sure I meant to raise hard workers, but rather dream chasers. I want them to succeed where I failed, to not end up like me, I worry not because I've made selling out look glamorous, but like it's the only option. And I long to regain some of the passion and motivation that I possessed not all that long ago, as much for them as for myself. Thanks. I I wanted to talk about your reference there to selling out. It's astounding to me when you talk about, you know, your personal history and how much you've accomplished, you know, going to college with kids, handling all those jobs, getting through it all, raising these kids, um, that you might have any any sense at all of, of not having accomplished just, you know, utter brilliance. Tell me more about why you, why you feel that way. I think um, part of it is I feel as though the thing I was, put here to do was to be an artist, to be a writer. And so when I get so caught up, as I have been for the past, you know, almost 10 years, um, working in a job that really doesn't, uh, really doesn't even utilize my talents, but also um, I'm not growing, I'm not being productive, I'm not doing the thing that I think I'm supposed to be doing in in a meaningful way. Um, and, and I'm doing that because it's more financially lucrative, uh, that feels like selling out. And that feels like 
um, you know, I have a conflict with that. You know, every day when I would get up and go to work, I'd be a little conflicted about it because I felt like I was just doing it to make money. And I wanted my job, whether, you know, it was the thing that, you know, I got paid to do or not. I wanted my job to be something that was making an impact um, in the world. And I also wanted to be using, you know, my abilities that I, I, I claimed were so important to me. Hmm. And part of the reason why this was difficult for me is because all of my children also, um, in one way or another, are artists. They're creative people. And I want them to see that there is a value in their creativity. I want them to believe in that. And I want them to, you know, not get caught up. Uh, my oldest daughter uh, works as a bartender. And uh, she she enjoys it for now. It's, it's great. Um, she makes decent money, but she's not doing, you know, the things that she really wants to do. Um, but it's just easy to get caught up in, you know, oh, this I'm making good money. I'm able to pay my rent, I'm able to pay my bills, but I think what happens, and what I'm, this is partly why this is so, you know, pressing for me now, is because I see my kids entering the workforce, and mm. I'm cautious, I'm like, you know, I remember when I was doing the same thing, again, as I said in the post, working for these mission and community-based organizations, doing this meaningful work, and, um, and getting to a point where I realized I could make a lot more money doing something else. Right. And, and changing up for that reason. Yeah. And in fact, you know, I had to because I was trying to live in, a, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, which is a very expensive city to live in. I was trying to, you know, give my, give my kids all of the, you know, things that I felt they needed to be well-rounded, like, you know, um, dance lessons and music lessons and, you know, to be able to play on traveling sports teams and all these things cost money. And I needed to make more money. And that really just became my primary motivation for many, many years. And I think now also the timing is such that my kids are moving on. They're not um, necessarily, I'm not paying for those sort of extracurricular activities all the time. So now it's like, okay, if making all this money to do all these things for my kids isn't the motivation, then what is the motivation? Mm. Um, mm. What is going to get me up and get me going and, and allow me to be productive and do meaningful work? Yeah. So, and what do you, what do you tell your, your kids, your, you know, now, as you say, grown kids? What kind of career advice do you give them if you give them advice in, in light of your own experiences? The thing that I try to impress upon them the most is um, that whatever it is that they decide to do, um, I want them to be happy. Uh, you know, obviously, work is sort of um, not always, um, it's not like really an expected part of work to be happy all the time, um, but uh, it sometimes becomes, you know, your work becomes a... Um, something that actually starts to make you unhappy. So even outside of work, you're not happy or fulfilled because of your job being um, something that takes a lot of your time and your energy. Um, so I really just want, you know, for my kids to have balance. And I always try to, you know, really in all aspects of their life that, you know, they're able to balance, um, you know, their needing to make money. But that with also, you know, being true to themselves and following their dreams. When you think about your own path, are there career choices that 
you wish you had, you know, done differently, different choices that you had made? Or do you look at what you've done and say, you know, I, I really needed to do what I did to, to get where I yeah. am today? Yeah, I think I've, I've obviously been thinking about this a lot lately, and I think um, the latter, that I, that I did what I had to do when I had to do it, even though I wasn't necessarily happy in my corporate jobs. I got a lot of experience. I got a lot of training. Right. So I think there was some benefit in, in that time that I put in. Um, and I and I think, you know, it did afford me now, like, I, I have a little bit more leeway as I'm starting to think about where I want to go from here. Yeah, yeah. You know, one other thing I wanted to ask about is so often when people talk about balance, which you've just spoken about, they're talking about balance between maybe their family life and their work life. And um, if anything has been weighing on me in recent weeks and, and months, given um, Ferguson, given the Eric Garner case, is there's all of the work of being a citizen as well. And mm-hmm. I can just tell from reading your post the things you think about that um, that work, uh, whether it's uh, you know about being an activist, speaking out is is work that you think hard about how do you fit that into your life how do you how do you think about it that's a really good question and something that i actually grappled with a lot in in fact when i was um in my last job i felt like that was another way in which i didn't have um the space or the energy to do that work the activism work the the work of being an involved citizen because of my job. Um, I felt, um, you know, just the time that I put into work um, and the energy and leaving my job feeling drained often um, that I was not able to then go and give any energy to other parts of my life, including this one. Activism, social activism has always been a big part of who I am. And so this was something that was really troubling to me, and I really wanted to find a way to make more time to do more work in this way. And, you know, this is one of the things that, you know, I also want to impress upon my children is that, you know, this is work, that there, that this is something that you have to give some weight to in your life and some, make some time for, because this is something that, you know, we have to do. We have to make sure that, the place that we live in, the country we live in, um, the city we live in, um, treats its citizens equally. And um, this is always, you know, you know, going to be something that we need to be paying attention to. Um, and right now, in this moment where you have um, so much happening, as you said, um, the Ferguson and the Eric Garner case, um, it's, and there's momentum around it. There are people, you know, probably right now, um, out in Boston protesting and out in New York protesting. And, you know, it's important, you know, to realize the moment that we have right now and be engaged in it. Mm. And, you know, frankly, I wouldn't want to work anywhere where I wasn't able to do that, where I wasn't able to be engaged in that, where I wasn't able to, you know, either, you know, take time off from work and go on, you know, the equivalence of, 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 a freedom, a freedom ride, you know, to go mm-hmm. to Ferguson and or to go to New York or go, to go wherever 
there's, you know, the movement is happening. Um, that or work in a place where I wouldn't feel like I could publicly speak in support of this movement. I wouldn't want to work there. So this is important for me also. And and again, in terms of modeling behavior for my kids, it's important that my kids see me, you know, actively engaged in this fight. Right. So, have you ever considered so yeah, that kind of work as a career? You know, joining a nonprofit or an organization of some kind is that was that ever a path that you pondered? So that's actually my first job. My first real job was working at the Alzheimer Project for Bob Moses, who was one of the architects of Freedom Summer. Um, and uh, he, you know, was an amazing inspiration to me. And, and I actually met him in, when I was in college and made it sort of a goal to, to end up working for him because he lives in Cambridge. And I thought, this is an amazing opportunity. Like, we have this civil rights icon, like, living Mm. You know, don't throw away from campus. Like, I really needed to, to you know, to do this work. And so what the Alpha Project does, uh, in the way uh, he, Mo- Moses describes it, is that it's sort of a continuation of the work of the civil rights movement. And it's, a, it's, it's just a, a sort of new way um, that, you know, poor folks and people of color are being sort of um, held back um, in, in terms of their citizenship. Is, is now what's um, technology-based, and it's math literacy. This mm. is, you know, the whole work that he does is around making sure that, you know, poor people and people of color have, you know, the tools to be um, to be full citizens. And in, in the 60s, it was voting, and now it's technology. It's, it's, it's um, getting kids into coding. It's getting kids into, you know, the, uh, the college track math classes in mm. high school. And the way you have to what you have to do, the prerequisite for that is you have to get past algebra in eighth grade. Mm. So the algebra project is about getting kids ready to take the test to get them into algebra in eighth grade so that they can be on the track to uh, the sort of college-level math courses and and full citizenship. So this is like, you know, Bob, this is actually a really good example, and this is an example of somebody who, like, you know, didn't do the selling out part that I did, you know, mm. because... Bob Moses was a radical in the 60s, and he's a radical today. And um, and I, I just remember talking to him um, when I worked for him, and, and one of the things he told me was, you know, most radical ideas eventually become mainstream, mm. right? Like, most, most things that are radical once, like, eventually, like, we move forward as a society, and those things aren't radical anymore. But in some ways, there are a lot of the things, even even voting rights, even, even voting rights, you know, have been sort of being rolled back mm-hmm. in a lot of states. Um, so even, you know, in, and I guess he, he's a good model of somebody who, you know, I wish I were more like, and that I would continue, could have continued to just sort of devote my life to this type of work mm-hmm. instead of feeling that pressure and saying, oh, I've got to go and, and, and make a lot of money right now, and then maybe I'll come back to it later. Um, what do you think but, is the difference you know, there between someone who makes that choice that he has to kind of stay the course um, and work on a set of issues like that versus those of us, and I'm a group myself with you, who care deeply about these issues, want them to be part of the work that we do, but um, feel pressure, you know, fear, 
whatever it is, to go and get uh, a job that is going to, you know, provide some steadiness. Do you see it as a function of kind of coming at it from different circumstances? Do you think it's a character thing? Like, have you have you thought about that? How do you think about it? I, I think about that a lot. I think um, I think it's often circumstantial. I think, you know, just even in terms of, you know, the age that we grew up in, um, and the age that millennials are growing up in, I, I was reading something today, and, it, and the headline was, you know, millennials aren't able to save money because they're not making money. Mm. Um, and part of part of the challenge is, you know, for me personally, well, you know, I was a single mom raising three kids, again living in a in a place where there's a high cost of living, and so you know, I I really felt that I had to make the choices I made to take care of my family, and um, and at the same time, you know, you know. Not, I'm, I'm being a little bit critical of myself and saying, you know, um, I sold out, but at the same time, like, it, I was trying to balance um, going to do this sort of this work that would make me more money with still being active in different ways mm. um, and including writing being sort of the primary way that I tried to continue to stay engaged. And, you know, it's just, it's a struggle. It's not always easy. It's, it's you know, that sort of age-old uh, dilemma you get in where it's like, you know, you need money so that you can sort of be comfortable. So you work harder, so you make more money, but then you're less comfortable because you're always working. So it's like you're trying to figure out that that balance. And um, and I, I admit I wasn't always good at it, and I'm you know probably not like, still not that good at it. But um, but I, I think what's happening now, and and this I t- I've talked to a lot of um, of classmates from college, and it's not uh, it's not um, something we go through in isolation. And this is, again, part of why I write and part of why I share what I do and part of why I share what I do the way I do Mm. on on a very public forum, Facebook, where I know people are going to see it, is that, you know, this is something that we're not going through in isolation. We're not going through it alone. Um, Part of our age, part of like being in your your early mid-40s is that you know, you start to think about your career choices and you start to wonder, you know, about your character and whether mm-hmm. or not you, you sacrificed that at all to make money or to take care of your family or what have you. And um, what I have found is that there are a lot of us, um, you know, my, at our last reunion, at our um, 20th reunion, a lot of us were thinking about this question mm. of like, you know, we used to want to change the world. What happened? What happened to us? Like, you know, we didn't change the world. We just, you know, went to our jobs at law firms and, you know, or became doctors or, or whatever we, we ended up doing um, instead of uh, uh, of doing this really important social work that we thought we were going to do. And the fact is that a lot of us did do important stuff and a lot of us are still doing important stuff. And for those of us who, like, have struggled with the balance, um, there's still an opportunity to write it. There's still an opportunity to get back to a place where you feel like what you're doing is more meaningful. And, and, um, and in fact, you know, I think that, you know, um, well, one of the things that I haven't talked about yet is that, you know, I, I did lose my job recently and, um, in part because I, I wrote what I did on Facebook about, um, about not being happy with my job, um, which in, is in and of itself a, a whole conversation that we could have. But yeah, um, well, can I the, ask one question one of, about that? So, so really, sure. it was that you, you know, basically were frank about the fact that um, you know you have other aspirations, other things you care about, because that's sort of how I read your post. Um, 
you know, that, that, you know, you have a relationship to your job that is not, you know, the be all and end all. That was a, a fireable offense, huh? Um, well, uh, I think there were, there were, there were other things, there were other factors that played into it, but mm-hmm. I was a manager, as I said, um, uh, with the company. And so the concern was that, uh, me saying something like, you know, I'm, I don't believe in my, the work that I'm doing, that that was damaging to the morale of the people that I managed. And for that, like if I, you know, caused anybody that type of pain, I would, I'm sincerely sorry about that because that wasn't the intention at all. And in fact, it was my own suffering that I was trying to articulate, my mm-hmm. own, you know, sort of lack of motivation or lack of fulfillment and, and, and not it, and, and not at all in that part of my job either. I really enjoyed, as I said earlier, the management piece of my job was like really, really important to me. So, um, so that it was, it was a little distressing to have this end up being something that lost, cost me my job, but, at the same time, it sort of opened up, uh, you know, I'm trying to be optimistic about this, but it, um, it has opened up some new opportunities for me. And one of the things that it has given me is this space to really think more about these issues and decide, you know, what type of job I want to go to next, yeah. how much energy I want to focus on my writing or on being an activist. Um, because, you know, I am in a different place in my life than I was you know, 10 years ago when I was feeling this pressure to make more money so I could send my kids to college. Yeah. Um, you know, so part of it is, you know, trying to, I'm not necessarily trying to, but I'm seeing the silver lining here in that, you know, um, there are possibilities that have been opened up. And, um, and also, I mean, the other thing is that I don't really regret saying what I said because it was honest Mm -hmm. and it was, real and it was I got so much feedback from Mm -hmm. that post so many people wrote to me uh, both sort of commented on the post and then wrote to me privately saying you know thank you for writing that thank you for articulating that because I feel the same way and I'm struggling with that too yeah and again that's that's why I do it that's why I write and and again writing is the thing that I think that I'm supposed to be doing with my life so Mm. to me that was what I wrote and the response that I got was amazing, you know, and I'm really, I'm really proud of it. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much. And, um, you know, I love the way you write and talk about how you're thinking about what to do with your, your life. I mean, I started works to you precisely because I felt like we shouldn't all be grappling with these issues in isolation, thinking it was just us. Um, You mentioned the 20th reunion. I walked around there with a microphone uh, talking to people about where they were in their lives and what they thought, you know, about what they were doing versus what they had hoped to do. And one thing that struck me was, you know, for all the reputation that Harvard grads have for, you know, sort of ego and arrogance, People at the 20th were remarkably open with me and honest and clear that they were being very reflective. And there was huge power in having those conversations. And I found power in having them with a far, you know, broader group than than just one one college class. And uh, your kind of um, posts and the way you talk about it just adds to that. And and. It makes us all think more deeply about what we're doing, what we're doing with our days, what we're doing with our years, and it's a it's a huge contribution. So thank you. 
Thank you. And I, I completely agree with that assessment. I thought at the 20th, that was, that was one, like the thing that I came away with was, you know, how interesting it was that so many of us were grappling with the same issues. And, and one of the things like I do want to say, um, and I did start out talking about how I, I'm writing a lot about um, sort of looking at midlife questions. And um, and the thing that's been really difficult for me and the thing that I've, I've really struggled with is trying to articulate it in a way um, that shows that I'm not depressed about mm-hmm. the changes, but that I'm in awe of them. But I'm like, wow, like this is really interesting that this is happening like yeah. I didn't expect this or I didn't under- like know that I would feel this way and when I write this stuff and I get that response that I get you know um, from from my friends and um, and, and family and, and people who I sort of know peripherally even um, one of the things that I, I'm reminded of is this another you know there's another quote another James Baldwin quote that always comes back to me about why I write and that is that the things that torment me are the things that... Wait, I'm going to get this wrong. He's, he was talking about reading, and I'm talking about writing, but writing and writing in this way helps me to know that the things that torment me most are the very things that connect me with all the people who are alive or who have, who have ever been alive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really it. Like, I'm trying to stay connected but I'm also trying to like help other people feel connected. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even, you know, even though, again, even though I wrote that post and uh, as a result, I lost my job, I feel that that post connected me to other people in a very meaningful way mm-hmm. and that other people felt connected to, to me and, and to this sort of phase that they're, that we're going through in a very meaningful way. And so it was worth it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Um, I can understand feeling that way completely. That wraps up the interview for today. Thanks again very much to my guest, Bethany Allen. Thanks also to everyone who's written an essay for Work Stew. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening today. The next episode will be released in two weeks, and I hope you'll check it out. In the meantime, please let me know what you thought of the interview by sending an email to kate at workstew.com or by posting a comment on the Works Do website. Thanks again, and bye for now. <laughs>